Welcome to Drinks at Work by Boothby with Sam Bygrave, that's me. My guest on this episode is James Irvine. He's the creative director of gin drinks for the Australian craft gin distillery Four Pillars. It's a unique role, one that is a brand ambassador role, but which also sees him as the lead for the Four Pillars Lab, the brand's flagship bar in Surrey Hills, where they're making some very interesting creative drinks. The way I see it, bartenders who build a lasting career tend to be of two types. You have those who love the ops side of the business, and you have those who love the creative side. But James Irvine, as he talks about in this chat, definitely leads to more of the creative side. And he's managed to build a rewarding and exciting career that way. And he's got some great advice that he shares in this chat. So here's my chat with James Irvine. Uh, James Irvine, thanks for joining me on Drinks at Work by Boothby. How are you doing? I'm great, thanks, Sam. And thank you for having me. Um, this is awesome. Thank you. You're, You're awesome. great. You're wonderful. What is your what's your what's your title for Four Pillars? Because you you kind of you've got some bar stuff you do like the hospitality side, but then you're also in an ambassador role. Yeah, uh, look, I think um, titles aside, it is quite a dynamic role. But I do fall under the name of Creative Director, Gin Drinks. And when they when they landed that title, I I, I meant to ask, uh, are we making other drinks? <laughs> yeah. um, and you know, obviously. Four Pillars is uh, one of Australia's craft gin distilleries. So uh, I fell into that racket and, mate, um, I love it, you know, jack of all trades, like you said. So there's a lot of work with branding, events. Um, look, they, they even trust me with a bit of, you know, creativity around the drink side of things. So if, yeah. you know, if, if it is helping distill things or if it is coming up with signature serves, uh, I don't want to drop the old L-bomb, but, you know, during lockdown last year, there was a lot of bottled cocktails that I don't think are going anywhere anytime quickly. I think that's a, a category that for growth. Right. Um, but, yeah, Matt, you know, really really dynamic. And, you know, um, and then obviously we have our, our homes, so the Four Pillars Distillery in Hillsville and uh, the Surrey Hills Lab in uh, in Sydney. So Four, four Pillars, for, I mean, I'm sure most people know about Four Pillars but can you give us like the little elevator pitch about what the brand is? And Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, Four Pillars was founded in 2013 as, you know, the, the Yarra Valley's first craft gin distillery. Um, around around that point in time, not too many people were saying, geez, you've got a lot of Australian gin on the back bar. Uh, whereas <laughs> nowadays we have seen the category just explode in growth and uh, the market research and the data that we get globally, Australia hasn't even hit the tip of the bell curve in regards to its, its growth and expansion. Really? Uh, and we, we, there are over 900 Aussie gins on the market made by over 300 Aussie distilleries. So mm. uh, definitely, um, definitely a big scene. Um, do, you and think, do you think there's going to be more on the way as well? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, the, this, this category is... And that's the beautiful thing about Australian gin. You know, we, we one, we love making gin, and we sure shove, we sure shit love drinking it. <laughs> but we also we also have access to you know fun ideas, fun concepts. The Aussie gin scene's incredibly fun for starters. You know, yeah. we're not stagnant when in our ways. You know, we don't have recipes that have been around for hundreds of years. We we probably are leading the contemporary gin category globally. Mm. Um, and like I said, it's a lot of fun. A lot of fun. We have we have awesome produce that we can use, sick botanicals, and then great people making great juice. Mm. To quote the great AFL statement, statement players make big statements in statement games, and I think that's what the Aussie gin scene's doing. And right, and is, would you consider yourselves like one of the, you know what, I can't continue the metaphor. I was going to try and do it, but I can't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to stop myself right there. 
Vorpillar seems to be advocates for the Australian gin scene as a whole. Is that like a conscious sort of strategic, I guess, decision on your guys' behalf? Because you seem I to, think everything I hear is it's always about how great is Aussie gin. Yeah, well, for starters, uh, you know, I, we 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 love this industry, plain and simple. And I don't think it's a strategy. I think it's just you know we, we understand that you know we, we started we started nearly nine years ago now, so we've seen what people are going through already. So for this, the more the more recent distilleries or the new startup distilleries, mm. we've been there and we get it and we want to help people through it. And, and you know, a, a rising tide makes all ships, you know, float. And that's, that's, that, that's our industry. And, you know, yeah. we don't, we want to see Australian gins smashing it. And, you know, we've, you know, we've been fortunate enough to be nominated in some pretty big categories globally. And with that other Aussie gin distilleries have as well, probably the biggest, gongs going around if the iwsc with uh, kangaroo island's been involved never never's been involved mm. and then there's us as well so we we definitely we want to see more of that and it's not just you know obviously i love gin love 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 gin but aussie spirits you know, we, we make some cracking juice down you know i think the world needs to see it more so what does a typical day for james irvine uh creative director gin drinks involve um well look let's let's scratch maybe maybe just a thin line through typical because um, yeah. I'm very fortunate. I get to work with some amazing people within, obviously within four pillars. They're all great, blah, 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 blah. But uh, I get to work um, pretty much broadly with the Australian hospitality industry, whether right. it be restaurants, bars, bartenders, public figures like your, your gorgeous, handsome self. Um, <laughs> and that could be across everything. Um, however, if I'm in the lab, the day to day, look, let's be honest, the last two years I've been working out of our lab in Surrey Hills mm. and that's, that's been an awesome experience. It's not the first time I've been fortunate enough to uh, be involved in, um, putting something together, yeah. but it's definitely been the one where I, it definitely obviously been the most recent one. What I'm trying to say is it's, uh, it's been my most invested in regards to, you know, the way that things work, the, you know, our, our infrastructure, the way that we've designed it. And then obviously the one thing we do focus on is in our opinion, making some great cracking gin drinks. Mm. And uh, just for people who maybe don't know what you mean when you talk about the four pillars lab, that's, it's a venue. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a brand home in Sydney for four pillars. So it's beautiful. I think, I think it's the first permanent, Aussie, Aussie spirit brand outside of its home hometown. Um, so that's something that's pretty cool. Uh, based in Surrey Hills, we took over a beautiful heritage building, uh, installed a high street retail outlet, a, a micro distillery, a fully operating bar in which we, uh, we've coined the term cocktail lab, which you've seen all around the world with all these great bars and amazing, innovative, creative people and, uh, for us, it's a learning space as well. So it's a lot of trial and error, a lot of R&D, and then a lot of training. So we, we actually hold Aussie trade groups. Uh, we bring those in you know, several times a week for if it's a gin workshop or a cocktail workshop, wow. or then what we also call a lab session where we get to play around with some some pieces of equipment that we've invested pretty much into as, as our drinks program. So it's for us, it is an investment. Um, mm. it, and like I said, there's a lot of learnings involved in that, myself included. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think anyone's uh, mastered rotary evaporation until you've had to clean parmesan cheese out of the condenser. Um, <laughs> that sounds like a fun time. Uh, look, you know, a few F-bombs involved, <laughs> mate. Uh, 
you, you pick up and you, you keep moving. <laughs> truck, you truck nut through, and that's that. And that's based in Surrey Hills, Sydney. So that's um, you know, for us, that that, that, that that's a really fun space. It's mm. open to the public. It's open to the trade, and we try and um, we try and tick all the boxes there. And you know, it it actually turns to this June. Yeah, right. Um, so what a time to open a hospitality venue. Um, June yeah. 8, 2020. Uh, Can you sort of describe the approach to drinks you guys take there? Because it's, you kind of push it, you know, boundary pushing is maybe not the right word, but you're certainly, you're certainly very creative in your approach. Yeah, look, I think one thing that we obviously we're doing is going to, is we're going to highlight four pillars. Um, yeah. And when looking at cocktails, I, I think there's two main roads you can take. And the first one is to complement flavor profiles and the second one's to contrast them. Right. And you can, at the end of the day, you're looking to, for us, it's, our philosophy is quite simple. It's make a balanced drink that's approachable. It can be challenging. However, first and foremost, flavor first, it has to be delicious. Yeah. Um, and that's, that could use any technique, any produce. It could do, it, it could, it could, it can be as creative or it can be as simplified as possible. I, I think one thing in our industry is, you got to have validity in the technique you're using. Um, so be creative, be innovative. However, if you're just using techniques to say we we did this because it's cool and yeah. it tastes like shit, you've you've kind of missed the mark there, guys. So, yeah. uh, and we've got we've got a great team that loves to experiment, loves to play around. Um, the lab bar top during the week looks like a dog's breakfast. It's just covered in. <laughs> Covered in mixing bowls filled with different botanicals, different ingredients, yeah. um, awesome pieces of kit. Um, you know, sometimes bartenders aren't wearing shirts. Uh, you know, no, I'm kidding. Uh, but for us, it's it's a it is a workspace. You know, it's it's an R and D bar and it is a lab in that regards. Um, mm. Regarding how we approach drinks, there's no real philosophy. I think one thing we want to do is highlight, obviously, as I said, four pillars gin. But then also, we love working with Australian producers. Uh, we love working with the within the seasons. I think, you know, I, I think we're fortunate to get accessible, awesome produce all year round. Yeah. Um, however, we do have a highlighting changing seasons menu um, in which that we you know we work with different Aussie producers um, when things come into harvest, and I think that's I think that's great. You know, uh, yeah. not to push the sustainability button too hard, but sometimes it is good to use things that are in season, um, you know, and the one thing I will never try and replicate is fresh citrus. I, I think I've had this discussion with you before, Sammy, but I have an affinity for a daiquiri and I want daiquiri made with juicy, juicy limes all it's the time. Ne- never um, really quite the same, is it? Doesn't quite. No, and that's, that's just my two cents, man. But, um, you know, I think working with produce, Within um within the parameters of season, something that we we do in the lab, um, no. and then we have, we have a lot of fun, and this is what I love about the Australian bar scene. I, like you you and I, we've we've done we've done the thing, man. We've done the damn thing. We've seen we've seen a lot of bars on this blue marble yep. floating through this galaxy, um, and it's awesome. I love this industry. Oh yeah. my god, I, I think I think I was actually tailor made for this stuff. If I wasn't behind the bar, I'd probably be trying to be a chef or trying to be a maitre d'. I just, I love yeah. the vibe. I love the hustle. I love the groove and yeah. it's awesome. You love your food as well. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. You, you don't get this soft, not enjoying the finer <laughs> things in life. <laughs> how, how did you get to this role? Because uh, we first met when you were at the beloved, but sadly defunct now, uh, Hinky Dinks in Darlinghurst. 
Uh, yeah. how, how, where were you before Hinky Dinks? And then just tell me a bit about Hinky Dinks. I was working as a seller. I was, I was uh, you know, fortunate enough to be young and in Sydney. And uh, at the time, um, before Hinky Dinks, like you know, the, the the cross was still Kings Cross in Sydney was still a still a nightlife precinct yeah. in regards to late yeah. night trade. You know, people were walking down the middle of the street, hot rotted cars up and down the you know the main drags of Victoria Street and Darlinghurst Road. Yeah. Um, and you know, you you had great institutions in the cross still mate i'm not gonna i'm not gonna like like you know basewater brass who was still you know kind of kicking along um for me i uh, i spent a lot of my time in the cross going to nightclubs because i used to <laughs> I'd, i had great aspirations of being a dj at one point in my life did you really this is something i didn't know uh, about you oh yeah 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 yeah. we're dialing back the clock now a bit mate but um oh it's never too late you yeah, are a uh, creative uh, director you can always work that in yeah there. <laughs> oh it's all right it's just creative um <laughs> but yeah I was, I was working with the uh the now renamed Keystone Group, um, and yep. spending a lot of time there, and uh, that's where I cut my teeth. That's where I learnt a lot of uh, a lot of like foundation, what we call foundation sessions. So your gin workshops, your vodka workshops, your history yep. of rum, and they were all run by you know people that I eventually got to work with in my career. You know, uh, you know, Luke Reddington did my first ever foundation session for uh, Behind Bars yeah, in right. Sydney, and I was like, oh my god, this guy has a fountain of knowledge and. Yeah. I was like, I'm going to work in a cocktail bar and uh, he's probably going to kill me for saying this, but Lee Potter Kavanaugh never gave me a job at Victoria Room. Um, and um, and he was like, mate, you just uh, – sorry, mate, you just don't have the experience. I, I totally get it. Um, yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm great mates with Lee. He's a massive Swans fan. So we uh, we have that in common. He does um, have redeeming features, yeah. He does, yeah. <laughs> he's, a, he's a great bloke. But then I, I met uh, probably – and I don't like to use the word too much, but I met – um, a, a real proper mentor in my career in um, in Dan Knight and um, and Jeremy Shipley at Hinky Dings and mm. again went for you know far out. It definitely it's an employees market at the moment. But in 2012, uh, when you when you used to go CV hunting and, and drop a resume in, um, you know they're like, oh mate, sorry, we filled the role. There's 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 high candidacy bartenders coming through, and yeah. you just don't cut the mustard just yet, mate. Keep doing what you're doing. I'm like, oh fine, fair enough, I get it. Uh, and I was, I was fortunate enough to be working with Jason Williams, um, at the time, yep. um, I was learning off, off them really closely. And then I actually got called back from, from Dan and Jeremy, maybe, maybe a month after the original chats and, um, okay. they had a spot and I jumped in and I got to meet one of my best mates in Cass Hill yep. behind the bar there. And, um, one of yeah, the all time Sydney bartending greats. Oh, mate, that's, that's the thing, you know, uh, between the three of them, I think they invented the Caipirinha, the Capri Oscar and any other great stick drink of, uh, of the 90s, man, yeah. Yeah, well, J- Jeremy Shipley was uh, at Longrain back in the day with all the uh, the stick drinks. That's when I started and he was the guy. Yeah. So, so what, what did you learn? Dinks, uh, what yeah. I learned from them, uh, Hinky Dinks was like a great foundation for, for the classics, um, you know, an appreciation for where things came from, how they're made, and that's where uh, – one thing I really got to polish up on was, I guess, you know, to use a to use the chefing term, you know, polish up on your classics, um, and really appreciate bartending for what it is. And it was everything from making drinks, but then also servicing the bar, servicing customers, servicing guests. I should say. Yeah. Um, it was a really intimate also, space too. You know. Yeah, and I was about to say you you, you did everything. Um, it wasn't like I'm the bartender, I'm behind the bar. 
I'm going to make cocktails all night. And I was like, oh, shit, you know, I've, I've got to clear that table. I've got to welcome these guys in. I've got to seat them. I've got to put through that order. Yeah. And then, you know, I've got to make the drinks and run them out. And then at the end of the night, you're like, you're the one who's like, okay, I've got to take the bins out. I've got to, do, I've got to lock up. So yeah. I learned a lot about operations there in regards to sole operation, small team. It was the first small bar I ever worked in. And I was there for nearly four years. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And I think the, the, the only the only thing that saw me leave was the opportunity for growth in a bigger company, um, yeah. which was Swillhouse. So, yeah. with with Swillhouse, did you go into that uh, sort of creative? What, what was it? Was the title that was like the you, group bars creative dude or something? Cocktail man. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, co- yeah. Um, well, for those those who don't know, like the Swil- I, I love the Swillhouse Group's approach to hospitality because it's kind of the and again I've, that's what's taught me a lot about you know what we're doing now today with with four pillars is you can't take it too seriously because people aren't going to walk into your venue and think the world of you, you know. So <laughs> if you think the world of yourself, then you're already you're already starting on the back foot. You know, you've yeah. you've got to go in with some humility. I think the the best way to do it is to have fun, and the Schoolhouse Group has such a casual, fun approach to hospitality that I think you know. Mm. It's, I, I had a lot of great learnings from there, and the reason why I say that is my title changed a fair bit. Right. Just, at one at one point, my business cards just said Jimmy, uh, <laughs> and <laughs> and I was so okay with that. Tells you and all you need to know. Really, yeah, uh, that that was uh, that was a really organic. That was a really organic process because I met the boys at Tales of the Cocktail. Right. Um, and so at the Cocktail Festival in New Orleans and we we, we, we hit it off and we, we kept bumping into each other. I know you and I have done – we've done the damn thing a couple of times at Tales but doing the rounds and then, you know, they're like, hey, when we both we, – we we're all back in Sydney, like, hey, look, you know, would you consider this? And um, yeah, that, that, was a, that was actually a – that was a uh, that was that was a decision I had to think about a fair bit because the guys at Hinky were so great to me and gave me my first real shot at um, at bartending, man. You know? Yeah. Um, and then Schoolhouse just had an all star team, and I, I think that's what they're known for is just like, oh my god, a bunch of great humans are working behind any bar, any night, any day of the week. Yeah. Uh, and. The back of house stuff. I learned. I learned a lot from from Schoolhouse as well. So, yeah. did you, uh, you, think, you join them before that open restaurant Hubert? Is that correct? That yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I joined Schoolhouse in 2014 ish. Yeah. So they had they had what they had Frankie's Baxter Shady Pines. Yeah. Yeah. They had the three. Going from a smaller team to a to a larger team, you you learn how to work with obviously different personality types, mm-hmm. and then you also. My my role there was was cocktail focused, and it was the first the first time I really learned how to make drinks consistently, make make great drinks consistently great across you know bars that were were doing were doing really well in regards to the accolades and the acknowledgements that they had, but also high volume and, bars as well. Like you know, well, shady that's, yeah, and, and that's, that's, Baxter are very busy bars. That's the challenge. So you know, <clears throat> to to use an example that. I've designed the the lab in Surrey Hills is is a high volume cocktail bar in all regards. However, it's not the same pace, if that makes sense. So we yeah. we seat a hundred people. We regularly get a hundred people drinking cocktails at every single time. But it's the way that we've kind of developed the space and the menu. Um, for Shady and Baxter's example, it's come to the bar for that for that service. So you're served by the bartender. You take the order. You process the order. You make the drinks. You charge them. You, yeah. and 
the beauty of it is you've got that's why you've got a bigger team so you can you can help carry the load and um you know if it's pretzels or peanuts as i used to call it pretzels or peanuts depending <laughs> where you're working um you had a great team around you and, and that obviously uh, obviously a great bar has a lot of things going for it but i think the people working in it are the most important mm. how, how did you i guess how did you address yourself to the challenge of working with some pretty big personalities across a few venues as a guy that's come in and gone well I'm going to be the guy who helps do your cocktail menus. Because um, you would have been leapfrogging. We, you would Not leapfrogging, I guess, but you would have had a group role, whereas there's some pretty senior bartenders who were in the venue more. Um, and at that time, I'd probably add to it, you know, I was, I was actually, I was pretty young as well. Yeah. <laughs> so probably is, who's this kid? Um, who's this real cocktail nerd? Um, look, I, I think the beauty of the, and the beauty of Schoolhouse, using that example, was like it was in for a penny, in for a pound. And I've, I've always been open to collaboration in regards to creating, yeah, of course, creating menus and, and recipes, but then also going back and revisiting them and making them better. I think as as a bartender, if you look back and say, that was the best work I've ever done, then you've probably hit your plateau. Um, <laughs> so I think, and, you know, there was a drink that we came up with at Hubert, which I still get credit for, which I think is hilarious because I haven't worked there in, in Yonks, but it's the pasties fizz. Oh, People that, go, fuck, did you actually, did you actually make that drink? That's yeah, on my I list did, to talk to you about. I think it's one of the greatest oh, drinks that I've had in the last <laughs> 10 years. Yeah. Well, thank you. Uh, but we, um, you know, we, we, we originally that was going to be a shake and drink. And for those who've been to Hubert, if you're, you don't, you don't want to be shaking every single cocktail on that menu. It's a great technique, but uh, that's where we, we looked at, improving it by using a, a spindle mixer or an ice cream or a milkshake wand. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's just a really simple electronic bartending technique. And, you know, and that, that's just like taking a moment to step back, to look at it, assess it, and then go, there's mm. got to be a better way. Uh- <laughs> yeah. But it's a really simple, yeah. it's a, it's a, you know, it's a, the kind of milkshake mixer you could have at home. It's not a, yep. you know, it's not a $5,000 blender or something. It's just a milkshake mixer. <laughs> No, no, but I'm just going to put five thousand dollar blender on my shopping list. Thanks, Sammy. That sounds that sounds good, mate. I bought one of those before <laughs> for a venue. Yeah, I, I usually yeah. I usually buy those around you know New Year's Eve uh, for that for that resolution health kick that 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 lasts in Sydney from the first of January to around when the cricket starts. Yeah, when the when which the I think the third. <laughs> Very good. What was it that sort of made you want to move on from the Schoolhouse group? Because it is, it's a really influential group. It's mm. hot, you know, fast paced, but with it comes a lot of, I guess, industry cloud as well, working there. Yeah, massively. Uh, and it did open doors um, for, geez, for a lot of people, not just myself, but a lot mm. of people who have um, since moved from Schoolhouse. It's great uh, to have there a was resume. A, a great, yeah. Oh, f- f- phenomenal. Um, there was always this uh, underground um, natural progression of a bartender that you became a brand ambassador at a certain point. Like that was the mm. the next the next step in your career, or um, you know you'd go on to open your own place, um, yeah. which 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 for me makes sense. But uh, that that was one thing that Schoolhouse always encouraged. Um, and when when you said oh, I want to be an operator one day. They, their eyes lit up. Like they would go, okay, these are the people that we want to be employing. These are the people we want to be working with. Right. Um, because, you know, they, they share the same passion. And I think you look at 
who's worked at Swillhouse and then who's moved on to open venues with the guidance of the guys. I think those venues speak for themselves. They're, they're Sydney institutions in their own right. So contradictory to that, I did I did end up leaving Swillhouse. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and that actually that 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 came through an opportunity again. Um, mate, every time I go to Tails, I get offered a job. Uh, Tails twenty sixteen on a flight from Dallas to New Orleans. I was I was heading over there because Baxter was up for a nomination, and I um I was doing some work for Angostura Angostura Bitters and Angostura Rum. So I was fortunate enough to to uh, represent Australia in the global cocktail challenge for them in 2015. And yeah. they, uh, they give you a, an ambassadorship for a couple of years. So was fortunate enough to get an invite for that as well. And was on a plane sitting across the aisle from my now boss, Stu Gregor, uh, who I, <clears throat> I knew him, but he didn't know me. Yeah. Um, How long did that last? I don't think it gets more. <laughs> uh, well, I don't think it gets more genuinely Australian than this, but the, uh, the drink service started. We're flying an airline that I won't name, but the, the, the fucking tired asses. So they're like, "Would you like some beers, boys?" And we both kind of looked up, really red-eyed, <laughs> kind of dreary-eyed, like, "Yes, yeah. yes, yes, I do." Um, and they're like, oh, "I'll be seven bucks," and they only took cash. And the boss <laughs> man, I could just see the defeat on his face because he didn't have any US dollars. And I was like, "Don't worry, don't worry, stew. I'll buy your beer." And yeah. um, he was like he, he he looked at me and said, "What's your name, friend?" Um, and I'm like, "I'm James." And we we kicked it off from there. And again, spent you know kind of cross paths and bumped into each other around New Orleans that time. And yep. one of my great mates of all time is is the great Sammy Ng, um, mm. who was Four Pillars brand ambassador at the time, ambassador at large. He he really helped me kind of meet the guys from Four Pillars and. The one thing again that you know it just made sense. They were they were genuine. They were fun. They were engaging. They were interested in things beyond the industry as well, which I think is something that's really important. Mm. And then um, we made a gin with them. We made the Schoolhouse Underground Sydney Gin. That's right. With Four Pillars, which was a super limited run, which is now in the muse- the Four Pillars Museum in Hillsville 2.0, yep. at our new expansion to our distillery. Uh, <laughs> there was a lot to be said about that gin, but uh, <laughs> they said the one perk, or the one benefit was that uh, that uh, they, they finally uh, <laughs> they, they finally hired their first creative director of drinks, which was me. Um, <laughs> well, that's nice. And they're gonna they'll they'll kill me for saying this, but uh, originally. The, the the role was an ambassadorship and yeah. I declined polite I was like I thank you guys look I'm, um it's just not for me I don't think um I want to be an ambassador just yet I was 25 years old at the time 26 years old at the time yeah um and I was like I just don't think it's for me I don't think it's for me and if if anyone has met Stu and Matt and Cam before they're they're pretty uh they're, they're pretty passionate humans or they're very passionate humans I should say and they offered again <laughs> um, and then Stu, Stu called me into the to his office, and I was I was I assumed it was something to do with the collaborative gin that we made, and it went beyond the ambassadorship talk. And they were like, "Oh, so where do you see yourself in five years?" Talk, and I was kind of like, "Okay, this is interesting." And I mentioned that yeah. I wanted to open a creative space that operated as a as a as a venue, right? Because that that was one of my my bucket list venue items. And carte blanche, Matt Matt and Stu looked at me and said, "Why don't you do it for us first? Yeah. And that was the, you know, not not to say that was the carrot that they dangled, but it was like such a great opportunity. You're not, you're not, not going to take that. So that was the genesis of uh, 
the, the lad, Four Pillars lad in Surrey Hills. The, the genesis, if you will. Uh, <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, amazing. That, that was, that, that's what really, because I, the one thing personally is, and I, I, I have the greatest respect for uh, ambassadors around the world, mm. but the one thing I never want to permanently leave is bartending, right. um, which uh, just to talk about the brand ambassador role for a second globally, that that role has changed massively from going to bars with expense accounts and doing shots and eating late night meals with bartenders and throwing awesome parties. Like there's a ROI return on investment in that role now. It has moved to sales and yeah, you know, money talks, man. That's money it. talks, put the money in the till. Yeah. So that that that's something I could. And I'm not saying I, I had a crystal ball and saw in the future, but I just I always knew that I I never wanted to leave bartending full time. Mm. So, um, well, you're not really a sales guy, are you? Some people are, uh, some people aren't. Yeah, look, uh, and I've been fortunate enough to. I know, just mean like your mentality, you know? Like, yeah, no, no, exactly. Like I, I've been fortunate enough to do a lot of lot of work with our our distribution team, Vanguard, and yeah. like they're they're the they're the Harvey Specters of the world. Like they're the closers. Yeah, and. I'm more of the guy that I'm more of the hype man. You know, you know, when, you know, you know, I'm like when you a boxer walks into a ring. Yeah, the boxer's the salesperson. They're the one that's going to go in toe to toe and throw hands. Yeah, I'm just the the loud guy with the chains around his neck, uh, walking into the entrance music. You're Don King. And that's me. I'm Don King. Oh, no, I don't say that. <laughs> All right. Well, that's the quote. I'm the Don King of the Australian gin industry. Very good. We can leave it there. Thanks very much for talking to me, James Irvine. Doddy. Ah, jeez. It's definitely staying in, though. What What advice do you have for uh, young bartenders coming up and looking at how to how do they build a uh, a long standing career in this industry that is kind of Interesting, creative, and and rewarding, but maybe isn't going into upper management or isn't opening your own bar. I, I, I actually, I would like to say that's probably the path that I've led the most because uh, I, I never mm. really managed. Like you know, we opened a venue on a skeleton team yeah. in the lab during COVID, uh, and that's probably the most management like management I've done like, in regards to setting up a, a rostering system and um, yeah. invoicing and. I'll put my hand up and say yeah. that is not my strength. And I think to anyone that doesn't want to go into managing a team or managing a venue, the one thing you do have to manage right. is yourself. Um, and that's in regards to all things in life. So that's taking care of your health, getting enough sleep. And I'm, I'm, I'm a horrible sleeper. So um, the one thing you got to take care of, you got to take care of number one. Um, to quote the Nutrigrain analogy, uh, you only get out what you put in, right? So you, yeah. you got to you got to make sure that you you're, you're match fit and you're match ready to go, uh, and that includes you know mm. mentally and physically. Um, and if you're not, you know, no one has a perfect day every day. That's yeah. they're, they're very rare. So go take care of yourself, and then I think the one thing that all all my kind of you know men, mentors taught me was you got to. Um, you, know, you got to be honest. You've got to be honest with yourself. What are you good at? What do you need? What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? What do you need to improve? And then, if you are getting to the pointy end of you know your career, and you go, "Geez, I'm really good at this," that's what you pursue. So if if it is creating cocktail menus, and you want to move into you know that creative role where you can you can work with probably more people, that that's probably more mm. of a consultancy ship rather than mm. working in venues all the time. 
if you do have a long-standing relationship with a hospitality group, maybe that's a, like a beverage role across yeah. the, the business, um, which we're seeing more and yeah. more of in Australia now. So less and less of like the, the you know, the, the massive conglomerates and kind of like small portfolios, yeah. if you will, of, of venues owned by, you know, people who started with a yeah. small bar or a restaurant. So there definitely are opportunities to pursue that without, you know, slapping venue manager into your title or something like that. So, and that's, again, that, that will come down to self-care. If you're doing something that you you love, that you can dedicate your time to and work on and, and pursue, that, that gives you a reason to go on to work every day that is beyond, I need to put money in my bank account. The one thing I've actually learned to do, especially in the last three, two to three years is to stop working. Um, you know, my, <laughs> uh, my, my, my my family my girlfriend they will actually yeah. say you've got to stop working um and it will be not the business's fault it's 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 up it's up in yet it's in your own head so if you that's probably why i don't sleep well at night if you if you don't stop thinking if you don't shut down if you don't shut off that's when um that's when you can yeah. you can almost overwork yourself and that that's on you that's on you so that comes down to what i was saying about the only thing yeah. you need to manage is yourself um so time management's huge uh, last question for you. You did have some success in some cocktail competitions, um, notably Bacardi yeah. Legacy, going to uh, Mexico City for that global final and with Angostura going to Trinidad for that global final. Am I missing any? Those are two big ones? They, they, they were the, uh, they were the uh, yeah, they, they were the big ones. They were the big, how, big, big, how, big How much big of a role ones. do you think they played in helping you get to where you are now in terms of career stuff? And are they necessary to do? Look, I think I think it's. I was literally about to say I don't think they're. Um, I don't. I don't think they make you a. Um, I don't think they make you better right. than anyone. However, they do. You know, I, I know amazing bartenders that they just don't want to go up on stage and you know be a cocktail a competitive cocktail bartender, and that's yeah, it's a that's different totally type of bartending. Fine. It is what it does. What it does do for you, for you though, is it, it helps your presentation skills. It helps the way that you talk to people. But the one thing I loved about it was right. it was just something different. You know, I'm I'm the I'm the hamster on the wheel every day. You know, and that, that's that's kind of how sometimes this feels. You know, you just keep you keep mm. running, you keep that wheel rolling, and you know sometimes just you want to do something different. And for me, that was a really great creative outlet that you got to have a lot of fun doing. I will say one thing though, like, geez, they, they, every every time I read a comp brief, I'm like, fuck, I don't think I'd be any good at that. Like these these competitions are, mate, they're getting yeah. they're getting pretty intricate. They're they're making you you know, and it's beyond oh, it? the drink now as well. It's the philosophy. It's it's focusing in on, you know, uh, current issues. Um, and I think it's it's yeah. definitely beyond the drink. And I think. My personal opinion, and you know, I could be wrong, but I think that bartending is either about the drink or it's about the story of the drink. But at the end of the day, if mm. I'm making drinks in a bar, I don't go to a bar for a story. Hey, mate, <laughs> can I get a pint of story, please? Like, no, you you want to, you, you know, yeah. you know, do you know what I'm, you know what I mean? Like, I yeah. think it's important. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think it's yeah. for everyone. Yeah, you shouldn't have to. Uh, you shouldn't have to know the story to get the feeling or enjoy the drink. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, when 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 I did those competitions, I was very much uh, still looking for for the next big thing. You know, what what can we, you know, what can we make? What's what, what's yummy? What's delicious? Um, and I think the greatest challenge with those two competitions in particular is they were very honed in on like classic drinks, classic style drinks. So yeah. 
not uh, and that, that was mainly for replicability for people around the world so if you wanted to make a the you know Bacardi's legacy's tagline is the world's next classic to- cocktail yes. which is a big big claim to fame um, my drink Bacardo obviously is the world's most ordered cocktail now. Um, is it? Do you, you know, pronounce it Bacardo or Bocadou? Because I've heard it differently depending on where you are in the world at the time. Well, <laughs> you just got a Bocadou when you got a Bocadou, mate. Um, <laughs> I set you up for that. Um, <laughs> thank, thank you. But uh, you know, and, and there's they've got Bacardi Legacy has built a legacy around that competition incredibly mm. well, um, and I think you know. The, the one that I never, the one that personally that I always wanted to, to do again was world class. I, yeah. I did that in 2017 and was fortunate enough to take out a category. But I think, um, I think that is, that is a really interesting bartending competition. And that, that does take it to obviously that, that level of, mm. you know, it's, it, it has validity, it has creativity, it pushes in innovation. Yeah. I don't work for Diageo, obviously, but I think yeah. I think it's a good competition, is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. um, and then Angostura, that for me, that what a great experience! Like, yeah. Oh my god, I, I love those guys. You, you you go you go to the you go to the Caribbean for ten days, and you know you come back, and my leg break improved immensely <laughs> over there, and I didn't even bowl on over, mate. Um, you know, it's just <laughs> it was just fun. It was just really fun, and I think. And I think that you know, without and I'm, anyone who has done this before, you look at that as I've already won something. You know, I'm I'm mm. mate, I'm tra- you know traveling to parts of the world I've never been to before for mm. making drinks. Yeah, like crazy. The appreciation, the personal appreciation I have. Mate, I, I I love those brands for that, and I love I love them doing that. I think we might leave it there, James. Everyone, thank you very much for joining me on Drinks at Work. It's been a pleasure to chat to you. Cheers, mate. Thank you to James Irvine for joining me and thank you to you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you did, please give it a rating on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. If you've got some thoughts on this episode or you'd like to suggest some guests for an upcoming episode, get in touch with me at sam at boothby.com.au. I'd love to hear from you. Until next week, this has been Drinks at Work by Boothby.